This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, joined as I am each and every week by Bazooka Joe Valtellini. And we have UFC 264 in the rearview mirror. What a card. Great night. I can't remember the last time I had that much fun watching a card. I, I would have loved to have been there, of course, but watching it at home, uh, I, I was just having a blast. And uh, yeah, just just a uh, really fun card. It's a it's a Monday. We usually don't tape uh, the, the show on the Monday, but you know what? Even though we are a little bit more low energy, I would imagine on a Monday morning, it's still good for us to uh, to recap UFC 264 while it's still fresh in our minds. Yeah, that's important. After a card like that, I think it's uh, it needs reflection right away. Too many things happen. Too many um, you know topics to talk about. But fun over overall. And I am the person to say the crowd makes a difference. I think just even watching at home for the guys fighting, I just think it makes it more exciting and they just perform better. So I think those uh, having the audience definitely helped uh, make that that much more exciting. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that uh, especially in Vegas and in that building in particular, T-Mobile is an awesome arena. And uh, there were so many celebrities at this thing. I know Dana White named a couple last week, but there were a lot of uh, a lot of big shooters in that crowd. Yeah, and it was your interview. He dropped the celebrity list, but I didn't see. Did the TV show Donald Trump in there, the, or was I, I, you I didn't could see him, him in the background? You could see him like okay. watching in the back. He was right behind Dana White. So if you see Dana White, he was. Right, but yeah, they didn't like. I, I can't remember if they. If they yeah, I would have thought they would have made an Donald announcement. Here. Yeah, or would they think it would create too much uh, noise in the arena, maybe, or who knows? I but know. I thought it would be something. Well, it seemed like people saw him someone. when he came in. There was like kind of a mixed reaction from the crowd. A lot of people chanting USA and cheering and a lot of people not cheering. I don't know. I mean, it's a divisive country. So let's, yeah, uh, let's, yeah. I, I forget what it was. I, so when I did the interview with Dana White, people like responded to me thinking that when I said, hold on, back up the train, you just mentioned Donald Trump like among them. They thought that I was like being like a liberal or something just for like mentioning that he was going to. I don't understand people. Anyways, I, I don't want to yeah. get into that. Let's let's talk yeah. about the fights. That's what <laughs> that's makes, funny. That's what makes people are dropping political mentioned. bombs. Yeah, yeah exactly. All I did was say, hold on, you kind of glossed over that. It's a bit, it's a yeah. big deal. It's a former president coming. I mean, if you would have said Obama was coming, if he was if he was like, of we've course, got that Danny yeah. Glover's coming to the fight, Eminem, Barack Obama, yeah, Gene Hackman. Oh, Gene Hackman's dead, so maybe not Gene Hackman. But you know, like if he just mentioned Barack Obama among a bunch of other celebrities, I would have been like, hold on, back up the truck. But Barack Obama's yeah. coming. Doesn't make it. Yeah. You know, it's 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 just a big name to drop out of nowhere. But. I digress. Let's talk about the main event. Dustin Poirier defeats Conor McGregor. Uh, Doctor stoppage, end of the first round. Not a lot of finality there, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, and I hate to say it looked like it was going Poirier's way. And you would think Poirier was going to end up getting that one. But you can't really say it. It's a fight. Anything can happen. Um, And Robin brought up a good point on SportsCenter when we were on afterwards. I said, you know, we can't really say definitively that Poirier would have won that fight. But based on the evidence where... McGregor destroyed Poirier in the first round of their first fight, where McGregor won the first round of their second fight, and Poirier was able to turn it around. And then we have Poirier getting two 10-8s on the judges' scorecards in the first round, and the fact that Poirier seems to get better as the fight goes on, whereas McGregor tends to slow down. I think we kind of knew the direction this one was heading, but obviously we will never know. Yeah, I mean, Poirier just looked like the better fighter, and and hearing, um, preparing for the show, I I heard... Some of the judges gave it 10-8 in that first round, too, well, right? So I, I thought about this um, over the course of the weekend. So I thought I thought it was a 10-9 round, so I'll just put that out there off the top. Yeah, when I, I agree watching, with that. When I was watching at home, I thought it was a 10-9 round. Because the first two minutes of the fight, McGregor was in it and was probably winning the first two minutes of that round. 
yeah. um, before Poirier took him down and started landing damage. And McGregor was landing good damage from bottom, too. So, I mean, I don't want to write that off also. But the scorecards are based on damage. They're based on the damage that's done in that round. McGregor's leg snapped in half in that round while the clock was running. And it was technically from, you know, a lot of people are saying that the, the reason why it broke was because uh, Poirier blocked the kick with his elbow, and that's what caused the break. So, technically, if you're looking at damage at the end of the round, just straight-up damage, McGregor, McGregor took damage to the extent that his leg was broken, which is a 10-8 round. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. you know, I, I, I gave this a lot of thought. Believe me, I'm not trying to, to create revisionist history here. And like I said, on the night of, I said it was a 10-9. But you have to take into account the leg break at that that it happened in the round. Yeah. And I think I said it here last week. I said it on my YouTube channel. I say it all the time. When you're blocking calf kicks, what you have to do is turn your toe out to try to hit the bottom of the foot. You you intentionally try to check kicks that way, you know, because you want to hit that part of the foot. So to me, doctor stoppage or not, that's a TKO. Like you got finished based on me kind of doing something to hurt you. I mean, whether I'm blocking it, if you kick me and I kind of stick my elbow out to kind of try to hit your foot. That's defensive to me, and that's that's a scoring shot. So, um, yeah, I thought he kind of got the win in my eyes. I, I don't think it – to me, it, there's con- some conclusion to it. I mean, yeah. I don't think Connor yeah, is I there as fair. much. I feel that it's uh, it's just Connor was doing better for sure. It was better. Was He thro- He was landing some wicked low kicks himself. He probably could have maybe finished Poirier with low kicks. I think that was kind of maybe their game plan. Like, let's give him the calf kicks back. So – um, yeah, but I think Poirier's strategy, his IQ, his consistency in fighting just uh, puts him in a better spot, more comfortable. He can stay relaxed during the panic. Um, even after all that big blasting heat from Connor, patient, kept pressuring, used his better grappling skills. So I think you can definitely say, you know, he's the better fighter. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm sorry, Joe. I got up in the middle of you talking because my phone alarm was going off and it was at the other side of the room. But. Uh... Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think you have to look at that as a win. And on the night of, I was like, you know, maybe we need a fourth fight. But now that I think about it more, it's like, I don't, I don't know if we need a fourth fight. I think, I think that the people would like to see a fourth fight. I think that overall, you could make an argument for a fourth fight. But we really do need to see how the dominoes fall here. Because Poirier is going to get a title shot by, you know, at the end of the year. Yeah. If he wins the title... I don't think you can give McGregor a title shot off of whatever. I think he's, what, one in four in his last five or something along those yep, lines? Yeah, I agree. You can't give him yep. a title shot off of that. And um, if Poirier loses, then I think a fourth fight makes some sense. Do you, would you agree? Yeah, no, I agree. I think definitely it needs one more if uh, Poirier gets the title. I just think Connor's just good for the sport in general. So I'm not against however they use him. Um, but, yeah, if you're looking at the division and what's you know deserved, yeah, he needs to fight once more. But what would be a what would you see hypothetically? Because you got to think, Connor realistically is out for a year. I yeah. would say at least for the, with the injury, minimum a year. And who who knows? It might be the move for him now to start doing more boxing exhibition now, while he doesn't want to take the damage to his leg anymore. Right? That could be his new path. I think so, he's going to want to come back to mixed martial arts. And I also think it's difficult for him to do boxing exhibitions without the UFC signing off on it. And I don't think they will sign off on it. So. Uh, you know, they don't want to see their cash cow make money for other people. It doesn't make sense. Um, yeah, but he does what he wants, right? Yeah, Going I mean, again, into... I, think, I think that it's a possibility if he takes them to court and if he makes it really ugly. But I don't think yeah. that they are going to just say, like, yeah, sure, go ahead and box. But 
I was thinking yesterday, the perfect opponent for him for a comeback fight would be Rafael dos Anjos. Like, Rafael yep. dos Anjos will be 38 next year. Right now, he's 2-4 and four in his last six. But he's coming off of a good win against Paul Felder. And, um, you know, I, I think that if he gets another win or something, you, you have the bad blood between the two of them. And I think if you want to give Conor a winnable fight, where you, if you need to see where Conor McGregor's at, Rafael dos Anjos. Dana White always says, if you can beat Rafael dos Anjos, yeah. you know, that means something. And uh, I think with their bad blood, their history, you've got Conor will be, what, five years younger than him? Uh, or is five years younger than him at all times? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that that is a fight that would make a lot of sense uh, for McGregor as a comeback to see where he's at. Because I don't think that he should come back and face Poirier right away. I think that it's fair to say at this point in time, Poirier right now is an elite fighter. And Conor McGregor right now has not proven that he is an elite fighter. There are very few yeah. elite fighters in the UFC right now. So that's not a knock on Conor McGregor. In fact, you can look at the rest of the lightweight division. I don't think there's an elite fighter in the lightweight division outside of the champion Charles Oliveira right now and Dustin Poirier. That's it. So, you yeah. know, and that's not no disrespect to Justin Gaethje, but I think that Gaethje would need to prove that he can beat one of those two guys. Yeah, and, and it's just, it's it's crazy, though, because even if Conor comes back with the injuries, like, the guys he fights are, are animals, you know? It's oh. not like he's coming back to, like, some craziness. Oh, you're going to come back, possibly have Justin Gaethje as the number one or two contender to kick the crap out of your leg anyways that's all probably that has screws and plates in it now Justin like Gaethje would be a bad idea I'm like, I'm, oh yeah, yeah. At least for a he wouldn't fight. be able to i mean the, the shots he would take in the leg from him like it's just some scary fights even Oliveira, the mount he kicks and he'll start attacking the legs everyone's gonna start kicking connor's legs now and hitting those calves and so connor's in for some uh some tough recovery i believe yeah and, and when i put the thing out Yesterday, they said, you know, I think uh, Javier Los Angeles is the perfect point. People are like, well, why would you put him against a guy that has, good, that has good leg kicks? Well, everybody in the top 15 of the lightweight division has good leg kicks. Like, yeah, yeah. We're, th- we're talking about the evolution of this sport. This is the big question I have with Conor McGregor. Did the time away from the sport just allow everybody else to, to lap him? They're, they're focused 100% of their time on becoming elite mixed martial artists. And Conor's got a lot going on in his life. Yeah. You know, I, I just wish I could tell where Conor McGregor was at right now because two losses to Dustin Poirier doesn't tell me much. It tells me he's not as good as Dustin Poirier, who is one of the top fighters in the sport right now. Like, if you look at the pound-for-pound pound list, where's Dustin Poirier right now on the pound-for-pound pound list? I mean, I, I, don't, I can't take much from two losses to Dustin Poirier to tell you where Conor McGregor's at. I'm curious where he's at, and I think everybody yeah. else should have that same curiosity. Yeah, they have. Uh, I just checked. Dustin's uh, six on the UFC pound-for-pound. Pound. Yeah, so... By, by not being able to beat a guy who's borderline top five pound for pound right now, it, it, yeah. twice in a row, to me that doesn't mean a whole lot. It just means that Dustin Poirier is a phenomenal fighter, which I already knew. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and, and we know it's a lot of it is stylistically. I mean, Poirier's got a, a terrible style for Connor. Connor needs space to kick. Uh, he needs almost someone scared that bites on his feints. Poirier is not going to do that. He's going to sit in your face. You're going to hit him. He's going to come back and counter with some bigger shots. So I think stylistically, Poirier's pressure is just a lot for Connor. But even you look still, Gaethje's kind of that kind of guy that will still come forward. So who's a good matchup? And I think you're right. RDA's there. And Darius is just maybe not a big enough name yet for him. It'd be fun stylistically, but I don't know if he has the name yet. Um, Even Chandler, dangerous, small, comes forward, kicks the legs, like, yeah, I don't know, and that's so he's in for tough fights regardless. Yeah, that, so we can't give this guy a layup. I mean, I think Cowboy was probably the closest thing that you could have given him to kind of a a, a warm up. Yeah, and that's yep, what he was, I agree. and that's what it ended up being. And uh, I just don't think that there you have the same luxury to get a fight like that right now. 
And I don't know if you look at the top 15 of the lightweight division, like there aren't a lot of names where you could be like, yeah, this is this is a fight that would get Conor back, you know, yeah. back on his feet without like really dismissing that other fighter. I just don't think that there's anybody like that right now. Yeah, and I know he's set on the UFC lightweight title, but I think I remember him mentioning like even some of the some super fights with some welterweights could be fun. Like eventually, like a Masvidal, Connor, you know, something like of that status, I think could be good for him. Yeah, I think that's what he's got to decide. I think during this time out, he needs to decide: Do I want to have some fun, big money fights like an Nate Diaz trilogy fight? Uh, like Dos Anjos, I think is a good, solid big money fight. I think there's some some real heat there. Um, like, are those the kind of fights that he wants, or does he really want to come back and prove that he is championship material? Because to do that in the lightweight division is that you have to make a major statement to do that. Yeah, I don't think he can anymore. I think after seeing the injury now and seeing how he's performed, you, like you mentioned, one win in the last four. It's like I don't know. I think at this point now, it's. Uh, the hunger, that's part of the game. I know people talk about it all. It's not there. But the hunger of, you know, him being the underdog, not having the money, the grind, that you got to be hungry in this game. Once you lose the why, I always say, it's really difficult. Every time you step in that ring, if you want to be a world champion, there has to be a why. If there's no why, you lost your fire. And I don't think he has a why anymore. Well, and he has again, to kind of convince himself this, there is a wise, but you have to genuinely believe about. it. The thing that I can't, I can't get a grasp on is, let's say he is as hungry as possible. Let's say he's as good as possible. Let's say he's the absolute best Conor McGregor right now. I still not convinced that guy beats the the current Dustin Poirier, and that's yeah, the part no, that I, I have trouble figuring out is like how good because Conor McGregor still won around against Dustin Poirier, who again is a top six pound for pound fighter in the world right now. The last fight he won around against that guy. He's still a good fighter, Conor McGregor. Like we can't write this guy off and say that he's not a, that he's not doesn't have the potential to still be an elite fighter in, in MMA. We just don't know. Like that's yeah. that's the part about this that is baffling from to me is like losing twice to Dustin Poirier does not mean you're not a top fighter. It just means you're not as good as one of the best in the world. Yeah, and I think we even saw like that his wrestling isn't as strong as maybe people thought as well. You know, Dustin is really good overall, but. I heard one of the shows discussing saying that I don't think Connor has ever lost a round where it's been on the feet or something around those statistics. So every time he's been taken down, he's lost those rounds. But if it stays on the feet, he tends to win. But I think now, like with the evolution of guys being able to grapple and wrestle and put everything together, guys didn't know calf kicks. Now everybody knows calf kicks. You know, guys didn't know side kicks as well. Now people are seeing it. So I just think with the evolution. Um, that's happening. Connor's, you know, things that made him so special might not be there as, you know, for him. And, you know, we look at the wrestling part of this, and I don't know, I can't be 100% certain on this, but if I recall correctly, the first person to shoot in that fight was Connor. Connor got hit with a check right hook, it hurt him, and he, he, and he, and he went in to, to either with the intention yeah. of getting a takedown or, or clinching. Yeah, so, defensively, it's your yeah. defensive safety. If you sit there, the problem why he got knocked out last time is when he got hit, he kind of just stood there. You either got to move or, or clinch up, otherwise you get knocked out. Yeah, you need to buy yourself some time, and I think he did yeah. that in this in this fight. And I think maybe that was part of the game plan is if you get hit with a big check right hook or, or, or any big shot, you know, yeah. close close that close that uh, distance, grab onto him, and then take a breather. Yeah, but attacking the guillotine and then knowing you're in a not good position where you secure it, and then Dustin's able to, to you know, get good top position to smash some elbows. So that was kind of something they probably well, uh, wish they didn't do. Was a bad idea. Like that. That's yeah. based on where they were in the cage and who you're against. 
that's not great fight IQ. And I, you know, yeah. I, I hate to say it because again, I, I think Conor McGregor does have solid fight IQ, but in that situation, that's just not, that's not a high, that's not a high, um, I'm not sure exactly what the word is, but like the, the that's not going to end up on your side basically like yeah that's not yeah. going to be something that ends up being favorable for you that's probably the word i'm looking for it's, you can't and get it's... into a favorable position from that and, and unless you're, you're going to finish it and mcgregor how many submissions does mcgregor have on his record i don't even know if he has a single one maybe maybe from the days before the ufc but um it's just a very low probability that you're going to get a tap from dustin poirier when you're shooting for a guillot- when you're going for a guillotine up against the cage yeah, and I mean, some people try to use it to kind of create scrambles, but he was too tired. He wasn't scrambling from there. Like, he wasn't getting up. So, yeah, tough call on him, but I am not. I am no Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. I can critique his striking, but uh, for me to get there and to give the subtleties of his ground stuff. But, yeah, I, I, my IQ on the ground is good enough to know I would not do that myself. So You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to do something that I don't think people in MMA media are, are, are really going to do. On this this Monday, Stephen A. What's Smith that? deserves credit for how he how he was involved in the fight last week. You liked it. I thought he had a great interview with McGregor. I think that, I don't think that anybody could watch that interview with McGregor and say that it was not a great interview. He was challenging yeah. oh, McGregor yeah. on everything. He he did a great job. And then on the night of, they utilized him properly. They had him at the desk. He was he was more of a storyteller than um, you know a hardcore opinionist. He was he was giving like he was giving very like decent insight. I would say I wouldn't say it's phenomenal insight. But when you're at the desk, like you're going to the desk, you're not looking for like the most hard-hitting stuff um, yeah. from somebody who's going to give an opinion. Like, so I thought that I thought they utilized him properly with Kellerman and um, and Teddy Atlas. That that needs improvement. I'll yes, I agree. I agree. I agree. I I just think don't think their style works as well for MMA as it does in boxing. Well, listen, I'm watching the pay-per-view. And the pay-per-view ends, and the first people they go to for analysis are those two guys, like our Kellerman and, and Teddy Atlas. Like, we're not watching boxing here. Like, I yeah. don't know who made that decision editorially, but, like, I'm interested in what those guys have to say, but not right after the fight. Like, I, I just don't think they're going to give you the best insight. And then you've got yeah. them talking about, like, you've got Kellerman talking about, like, submissions and stuff. Like, he, yeah, he's it sounds weird. boxing his whole life. Like, it just, it, it just came off as... It sounded weird. It, didn't, it yeah. wasn't as much, the most educated take on it as I would have liked to hear. Because I think that Teddy Atlas has a great grasp of, of obviously, the striking aspect of the sport. And he's still, he's still good and gives good analysis. But I, I want to hear from Rogan. I want to hear from Cormier. I want to hear their immediate reactions. Like, these are guys that have, that have lived in this sport. Yeah, I mean, but even, like, bringing the boxers. Like, even this is why I've always said, I mean... I mean, I don't think it, it's going to go anywhere, but I always thought they needed someone like me and to talk about some of the subtleties in striking. DC said something. He's like, oh, my God, that was a so-and-so. I was like, that wasn't a that. I was like, "That you're, you're saying something completely wrong. Like, it wasn't what he was yelling out it was, and I can't remember what it was. Oh, it's going to drive me nuts now. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That wasn't what you were talking about, what it is. And I was just like, that's completely wrong. And he repeated it like six, seven times. I was like, okay. But there needs to be some respect on that. I get there's uh there's I don't know, the there's a specialist that, though, on the flip side of that when like Cormier was talking about wrestling stuff like phenomenal sort of wrestling technique was amazing. Fantastic. He, was, he was calling yes. it as it was happening and he was like this is yeah. what they need to do and then they would do that and he'd be like yeah that's, that's it. But that's why I'm saying a three man booth. You need a specialist need somebody, on the feet exactly. to understands those subtleties of things like those calf kicks like 
from the first calf kick, I could have told you Connor's stance is longer, guys. It's in a more of aggressive kicking stance. You can see that right away. The way he's bouncing, the way he's moving. I saw calf kick opportunities, the way Connor was setting it up. None of that is discussed and talked about. I get it, but it might help sometimes with the calf kicks emerging and the fight starting on the feet, like the Wonder Boy. Like there's so many things that Wonder Boy could have done better, like hit the body. You know, like those are things that could be discussed. Burns has a high guard defense. So there's a lot of things I would wish I could, you know, present that I think would add value. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why it's good to have more people in the booth that are more focused. Like even, even, uh, I mean, Joe Rogan's got a Taekwondo background, so I don't want to say that, that, uh, he doesn't give as much striking analysis as he could because he does give good striking analysis yeah. from time to time, but he also, I think has been more focused on grappling. In his, yeah. In his jujitsu analysis. Fantastic. Yeah. Like even, even DC was like, Joe, thank God you're here, man. Like you're, you're killing it. Like, I don't even know what's happening. And he's just fantastic, you know, and the way DC talks about the wrestling and the cage control. Fantastic. But I still think the striking's lacking on all ends of the show, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. And fair I enough, mean, me but... being a specialist, I mean, I'm going to be very picky on it, but right. It's missing a little bit of uh, good, you know, quality details. And just seeing boxing guys trying to talk about not, you know, kicking now, kneeing, elbows, cage work, takedowns. It's, it's just, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, you have so many like Michael Chiesa, fantastic on the mic. Kamara Usman, fantastic analyst, you know. You know, get some of those, the fighters in to give a little bit more analysis, I think, and get a good host that can set these guys up, I think is the key. Yeah, and there, there are people that are just great at the, at the desk versus um, doing commentary. And I think that the UFC have got some really good people at the desk uh, these days. So it's been, it's been good to see in that regard. And I, th- I, th- I thought that the event really had a big-time feel watching it uh, live. It just seemed like they, they brought out all the heavy hitters, and it was, it was nice to see that. And, um, and new graphics and stuff too, eh? That the, they updated that as well. Yeah, very well done. Yeah, I was very uh, – again, like I said, watching it from home – Usually I'm in the building and it's hard for me to focus on that kind of stuff. But like being able to watch it from home, I, I'm trying to find my silver linings from not being there. I, I just had yeah. so much fun watching it on my own and not having to worry about having to interview people after they were when they were coming out after their fights. Like being able to watch pay per views through a different lens for me has been has been, just been awesome. It's just more fun. Um, yeah. Not that being back and that's is not stressful fun. It's just, too. It's a different type of fun. It's stressful too for you. Got to think you're trying to watch a fight, tweet write a story, get the next guy interviewed. So it's a lot of pressure on you, for sure. Yeah, and people always reference my uh, interview with Izzy where he drops to the floor when uh, Masvidal hits the flying knee against Askren and wonder why I didn't react. It's like I was I was not focused. At, I didn't even know the fight had started. I didn't know that yeah, they had walked to the cage. Thinking. I was so focused yeah. on like what I was going to ask Israel because I wasn't scheduled to interview Israel at that time either. So I'm also having to focus on what am I going to ask him, what am I going to talk to him about, like a lot of those things that I just cannot focus on the fights when that's what's going through my mind. Yeah. Oh, the other thing I wanted, since we talked about the broadcast stuff, I give a nice little shout out. I think they did a fantastic job with uh, Laura Sanko and Megan Olivia, mm-hmm. the way they kind of have the girls discussing each person, their communication, their personal connection, things they talked about in the past. I think the way they they bounce off, they take one person each. I think that was very well done. I, I really like that. That's a good focus on storytelling, which is really important. Yeah, Especially If you're great. watching for the first time, you get to learn more about these fighters. And yeah, there are and people that great. are going to be watching for the first time when Conor McGregor fights, right? Like, that that's why they want the broadcast to look so good on a night like that because they know there's going to have an audience that isn't always going to be there. Um, yeah. You want to sell people on the sport. So, good on them. Um, is there anything else we want to touch on in terms of the main event? Uh, it looks like Poirier is going to face Charles Oliveira either November, December. 
Uh, we'll see how that goes. Poirier has opened as a favorite in that fight. Um, it was minus 180 over the weekend. I think I saw it today at around minus 155. So he's going to be the favorite over Charles Oliveira. Do you want to talk at all about it? who you like in that fight? Because I, I would lean Oliveira. Uh, for, for, yeah, yeah, that's, I don't know. I'm, I'm riding Poirier now. It's hard for me to, to, to go against Poirier these days, man. So yeah, fair enough. I'm sticking, I've, I've went against him twice on both Connor fights after seeing the way he is and his confidence and his strong mindset. I think he can do it. I think he's well-versed overall, got the power, the pressure and the ground fighting not to get submitted. So I think he can, I think it'll be a good fight. And most people think in a finish, I think Poirier is going to grind it out and put a, get a good finish himself. Yeah, very possible. Poirier of all the people in the division, I think is probably the worst matchup for uh, Charles Oliveira. So, Big Let's time. see. I mean, yep. if, if Oliveira beats Poirier, what a statement that would be. Oh, yeah. that That's – I mean, that's what he needs. That's what he needs. I think uh, this would really – he needs this win, I feel. Whoever, this is the real lightweight championship fight. I would fight. agree with that. I, I think that it would really bring some legitimacy yeah. to him as being a, one of the top fighters in the world. Not that it's not legitimate already, but, I mean, I think that a win over Poirier would be a massive yeah. statement for Charles Oliveira. you got to think a lot of the – a lot of the lines was the uncrowned champion. That's what people right. were calling Poirier. So I'm sure if you're the champ, you know, you're like, no, 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 no. The belt's over here, so let's settle it. Yeah, I'm, I'm eager to see how that one goes. That's that's a fight I'm really now looking forward to. Uh, and then you got McGregor, who's going to be on the shelf. He, he did a video after his surgery. Um, oh, I didn't like, see that. Yeah. What, what, uh, what was the take from that? It was just uh, basically that he is about six months, uh, like about six months recovery. Surgery went well. Three and a half hour surgery. Um I think it was on his tibia and fibula, and uh, it's going to be probably about... both broke, both yeah, completely I think, I think broke, so. the tibia so. and the fibula. All right. I couldn't tell you for sure, but uh, I, I think that uh, it's going to be about a six-month recovery before he can start getting back at it. So probably another year away from seeing Connor. Maybe next international fight week they headline with a Connor fight. But uh, and I, l- listen, I mean, Darren Rovell tweeted last night that uh, the UFC has the wrong people winning fights. They need they need Connor to win. They need Ronda Rousey to have won. It's just. I responded to him because it's just the laziest possible take. It's like, you know what, Joe? I'm going to open a pizzeria, and I, if, if my pizzeria sells more pizzas, that's good for business. That, yeah. That's basically what he's saying. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. No, I feel you. It's just I like, feel you on yeah, that. It's, better, it's better for the UFC if McGregor wins. And, if McGregor wins, for sure. Yeah. But, then it's also, yeah. but you're also overlooking something very important. So Quality? Let's say, well, let's say Conor does win. Let's say Conor won over the weekend. Is a fight between him and Charles Oliveira that much bigger than whatever his next fight's going to be? Like, is it, is it that much bigger than him versus Dos Anjos when he comes back, or him versus Poirier 4, or him versus Diaz? Because I'm not convinced that it's that much bigger. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I get the point there. I just think Connor is Connor. And I just, everyone says he's better, more eyes, more views on the embedded, more. Um, media, yeah, like Dana always, and I think they always says media is bigger. You get more views when you post his name. I think just everything in the sport grows, so it kind of helps everyone having that superstar. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think I think it it just makes the the sport bigger. But at the same time, like you can't control these things. Like the UFC can't just like this is not pro wrestling. But you can't come up with an outcome, and it's also not boxing where you see these these boxing champions taking these mandatories and they're like thirteen yeah. to one favorites. Like it's this this is a sport that is. Has, is just way more competitive than a lot of other sports. It's tough to predict these fights. It's real. It's real. It's real. It's brutal. I mean, there's no there's no gimmies here. I mean, when you're fighting for that top position, like, you're going. And that's why it's like seeing these guys going the way they scrap. I mean, 
it's uh, it's tough on the body, and that's why they want to get paid, right? So that's where I think Conor McGregor is good. I think if it wasn't for Conor, I think even the main event guys wouldn't be getting paid as much as they are today. With uh, John Jones and the would not be getting paid as probably as much as he did. He's opening the door for you know more money for guys. So mm-hmm. yeah, and it yeah. elevates the sport as a whole. Like puts more, yeah. put more, puts more eyeballs on the sport, and also gets more people to watch the sport more regularly if they like what they see. So uh, yeah, that's. I guess we can put a bow on the main event. Let's talk about the co-main event. Gilbert Burns defeats Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, 29-28 on all scorecards. Uh, good showing by Burns. Listen, Burns wanted to get a finish. I'm sure people would have liked to see Burns get a finish. How many people have finished Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in his 51 yeah. kickboxing fights and his MMA career? One. One, yeah, so one. You can you can talk about, well, it wasn't the most exciting fight and blah, blah, blah. You knew this one was going to be a chess match. It's two really high-level fighters. Uh, with very high stakes, also let's let's not forget that because I think the loser of of that fight is basically going to be relegated to like, you know, the lower tier of the 170 pound division rather than getting back into the title talk. So, uh, Gilbert Burns, I think, made a really big statement by being able to beat Stephen Wonderboy Thompson with that those tactics. Yeah, I mean, the number one tactic to beat him is pressure. Get inside, and I mean, when you can grapple him and take him down, I mean, that's how you beat him. But uh, I just didn't think Wonderboy was active enough. When he was throwing his sidekicks, keeping his range, being first, he was doing a little bit better. But the Gilbert patience, strategy, you know, closing the distance quickly, keeping him against the cage, getting to take down, he fought the right fight. He fought as a mixed martial artist against a specialist. And, you know, eventually, you know, I'm going to say it as a specialist, but, you know, the game has evolved. He needed a little bit more. Could be age, another factor, right? Maybe he's not as, you know, young, 38 years old. I mean, that's still got to, you know, add up to how fast he can blitz in and out. But, uh, yeah, I just thought uh, didn't look his best. I just thought more activity was needed, more urge to win. But Gilbert Burns, you know, he's tough. You got to think he was – what did Rogan say? Like a few weeks ago, he was grappling at the yeah, highest level Lo- you can. Lo- he beat Lovato Jr. In, in yeah, like un- I mentioned this unbelievable. I said, did that give you more confidence heading into a fight? Because, like, your confidence is going to be lower having lost the championship fight. But getting a win like that in grappling has to, like, just give him a little bit more spark. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that just shows like he can stand with the best, you know, and he can grapple with the best. And I mean, with Wonderboy Thompson, you only can do one of those two things. So, you know, at the highest level, if you can do both very well, that's what you get rewarded with. And even you see me with Kamaru, like when Kamaru first, like everyone was kind of questioning his striking abilities. But now he can strike with the best and grapple with the best. So now he's, you know, become to that uh, champion status that he needs. He was very selective with his pressure, which I thought was one of the keys as well. He was very, you know, very cautious about when he was going to blitz in and, and, and go for that takedown. And he mentioned afterwards that uh, training his wrestling with Jason Jackson, who's the uh, number three ranked uh, welterweight, I believe, in, in Bellator. Um, he, said, he said that wrestling with him was great because when he was able to wrestle with Thompson in the fight, he said Thompson just didn't feel as strong. He said having, having the ability to wrestle day in and day out with a really strong wrestler, a guy who... Uh, has a strong wrestling base and, and is just a very physically strong person, helped him when it came to wrestling Stephen Thompson because it made it feel easier. Yep, and even you got to think of the team and uh, with Burns, right? He's with Sanford MMA. Who's the coach? You know, Henry Hooft. Henry Hooft, if you look at his lineage and, and the mm-hmm. style of his fighters, he's a Dutch kickboxer. What's Dutch kickboxing known for is good pressure, good power, you know, good combinations, sitting in the pocket, countering back, everything that Burns needs to, needed to kind of win that kind of fight. So he kind of had all, 
aspects covered, you know, from the IQ, from the coaching and to the grappling experience. And it showed. I was very surprised he was the underdog in that one. I thought that uh, I thought that Burns had done enough in his welterweight career outside of even even against Usman when he, he won that first round against Usman. Like, I, I thought that he had showed that he was really at the upper echelon of the welterweight. So it, it was nice to see Gilbert Burns get back on the horse. He's a very, he's a nice guy. Um, yep. Not that Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is not a nice guy, but I've, I've yeah. always just enjoyed the nicest with guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's the NMF. He's got the MF, MF belt, whatever yeah. it's called. And there. Burns, Burns was smart. He said, "I just beat the NMF. Now I want the BMF. I want to face, face Masvidal next." It's a good call out. I mean, it's a good money, big money fight. And yep. uh, he knows that he said, "You know, I could, I can call for a championship fight." He goes, "I just know I'm not going to get it. I know that I need to do more." And it's just a good realistic approach. Yeah. And when is the Colby uh, fight happening? With Kamaru, it hasn't been announced yet. Um, I would guess it's going to be November. If I had to, okay. if I had to take a stab at it, I think that it'll be at MSG in November. But nothing, nothing confirmed or even reported at this time as to when it's going to be. That's just again, just an educated guess. Uh, Tai Tuivasa defeats Greg Hardy one minute and seven seconds into the first round. It looked like Hardy ran into a brick wall face first. Like that's what that yeah. knockout looked like. Uh, oh yeah. He he rocked Tuivasa to his credit, and then. You just, I, I think he just didn't have the right fight IQ to blitz a guy like Tai Tuivasa because that guy just throws hammers. Yeah, and it was just, it was, it was very unique the way he felt, like exactly what you said. Like he literally ran into an invisible wall. Boom. That's what it looked like. And they just kind of fell down. It wasn't like a shot where he fell back. Like it was a weird shot that he took. But I mean, damn, a lot of good power. And to me, I mean, I was really surprised because when I was watching the weigh-in. Tui Vasa was 263 pounds, and, I mean, he doesn't look that big. Like, mm-hmm. when you see Hardy, yeah. Hardy looks huge, and I, I'm, I'm assuming Hardy weighed in 265. Yeah, I think it was 265 or 266. He, oh, he maybe Laura cuts Sanko to said, that. Laura Sanko said that before he started camp, he, she said on the weigh-in show, that he was 340 pounds. Hardy was. Yeah. Wow. Because he's, he's massive. I'm sorry. I think uh, he might be the biggest heavyweight outside of uh, – he's – Bigger than Lewis, I feel. He's like I mean, maybe Lewis's belly and stuff maybe no, is bigger. Lewis but... hasn't been weighing in at two sixty five lately. Lewis Lewis is weighing in lighter now. He's he's trying to keep his weight lower. Yeah, but I mean, not as ripped as Nagano, but he's thicker than Nagano. Oh yeah, for sure. Like he's easily the biggest heavyweight we have. I don't know who could be bigger than him. Like that's of, insane. In of, like yeah, his width. I think that his he's like, thickness, his legs, his glutes, his hamstrings. But I I just don't know how much better this guy's gonna get as a fighter at this point in time. I feel like. Him moving from camp to camp to camp has really stunted his development. I thought that his strategy going into the fight was not good. I think that he, he really should have been a little bit more cautious there. Uh, I, I thought he was going to take a real tactical approach and just try to um, use his length to his advantage. But when I saw him with Tui Vasa, I, I, I thought he was going to be way bigger than Tui Vasa in terms of height and, uh, and length. And it just didn't seem like when they were next to each other. I thought I always pictured Tui Vasa being like Mark Hunt, but Tui Vasa is bigger than Mark Hunt. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know Mark Hunt still seems bigger to me, though. I don't know. Tui Vasa doesn't look that big to me. I'm yeah. very surprised. Well, either yeah. way, he packs a punch, and uh, that showed in that fight. Uh, big win for Tai Tui Vasa. Uh, perhaps the most impressive performance of the night was Irina Aldana against Yana Kunitskaya in that first round. Like She she dismantled Kunitskaya, who is a very good fighter. Yeah, and I, I just think the the big asterisk there and everyone's talking mm-hmm. about is the, the missed weight, right? And I think it was three and a half pounds from apparently uh, COVID complications. COVID complications? So. No, she said it was a uh, menstrual cycle. Oh, that's not what the one of the, the shows. I won't even call out the show because I can't remember. But one of the shows said it was uh, complications with COVID. No, that's not. And that's, that's not what she, she had lingering effects from COVID. 
Well, she said that so, uh, she said that it was related to her menstrual cycle that that, that was making, making which is fair, yeah. Have to wait. Which, which happens is, a which lot. Which is usually what happens when women miss weight is like they can't. Uh, it's like a body chemistry issue. It's the and, water holding yeah, during and, the, and the menstrual cycle. About, people don't really talk about that, but I think it's important to talk about that part of the sport. I, I would love to interview um, a fighter just about that and what like why the body is unable to keep cut. Like the same thing happened to Jessica I when she fought Cynthia Calvillo. It's just like the weight yeah. doesn't come off. There's uh there's a uh, one uh, there's some so many good people at the UFC Institute that would probably be awesome to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely. mean, it could be good. Good question, just to get it. I mean, I know uh, one of my fighters here, Maddie Spech, who does nutrition for fighters. He's always studying that because he'll he gets some you uh you know some fighters and he needs to understand that that process of you know the wake up for them. Yeah, I'd be eager to just talk to him about that even off air. I'm I'm very, just very curious about it, and I think that. You know, a lot of people equate missing weight to like a lack of professionalism, and in some in some cases, it's just it's a body chemistry issue, and it's you know it's one of those things where, I mean, Irina Aldana is not a giant 135er either. Like she's 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 like pretty tall, but uh, yeah. Either way, I think that she looked phenomenal in that fight. I thought that uh, that TKO, like the way that she dropped her and the way that she pounced on her, was just very impressive. And I think it made him in a in a division that does not have any real clear contenders. I think she really elevated her stock. Yeah, and what do you think uh, for her? Because I know there was a lot of talk uh, afterwards. What's a good fight for her to move up with? Well, who did she just? She just lost a home last fight. I, I think Jermaine Durandame would make a lot of sense for her next. Oh fight. yeah, that's a that's a great fight. Yeah, I good think that call. would make a lot of a lot of sense. I think what you do is if Aspen Ladd wins great next call. week, you match her with Holly Holm. Uh, I don't know if it's next week. Whenever whenever Aspen Ladd is fighting next, it might even be the next pay per view. Uh, if she wins that fight. Let me look up who Aspen Ladd is against next, because I think it's I think it's at UFC 265. She's got her next fight, um, and then there's also the wild card this coming week. You got Misha Tate back in action, right? So Misha Tate is somebody that can very easily fast track, although she lost pretty definitively to Amanda Nunes. Um, let's see. I'm trying to find when her next fight is, but either way, Aspen Ladd has a fight lined up, and I think that she is kind of another wild card. But you take basically the person that lo- the two contenders that moved up at one point in time that like people they were trying to build were Aspen Ladd and Aldana. Aldana lost a home and uh, Aspen Ladd lost to Durandame. Dur- uh, you play a little bit of musical chairs and you make that work. So it's actually, it's uh, in a couple of weeks, it's her versus Macy Ch- uh, Chason. Chason. Oh. Macy Chason. That's a great fight. And if Chason wins, I think that's a good matchup with Holly Holm also. So I think basically you take the winner of that fight and have them face Holly Holm. I was going to say, and Aldana's ranked what? fourth right now it seems yeah. on the rankings i don't know if the rankings have been updated but yeah, that's yeah. probably she'll probably stay around that area code but yeah uh, it makes sense yeah so just play a little bit of musical chairs there you have durandame against um aldana and then you have the winner of lad uh and macy chase on face holly holm i think that's and then that's kind of how you yeah. determine the next contender whoever looks yeah i really like that, that durandame fight for that's that would be that would be a nice one i like it yeah so there you go that's uh that's where we're at right now and uh, 264, just a just a really fun event. I was uh, I was thrilled to be able to cover that one. A lot of fun. And uh, Sean O'Malley, let's talk about that against Chris Matinho. Chris Matinho is like a, just a zombie. Like the, yeah, took, for, took took a long time for him to finish that fight. Now, the thing that came into question was the stoppage. It was about 27 seconds left in the fight. Herb Dean waves it off, kind of a boxing stoppage, you would call it. It's, he was yeah, yeah. on his feet, was... getting getting pieced up. So. You said you had an opinion on this before the show started. I told you not to tell me, so you have the yeah. floor, my friend. Because I, I was when I first watched the fight, and I was like, when at the end of the first round, I felt like one, it could have stopped there, to be honest. 
at one point I was like, what's the point of him coming out of the second round? I think he got hurt really bad at that point. And then when they saw the fight continue and he started to do well, at that point I felt like he wanted to be in the fight. He was initiating the fight. He was coming forward. He wasn't backing up. He wasn't scared to get hit. And I think if you let him take the shots past the first round, I would have been okay at the stoppage if his corner said, okay, it's done at the end of the first round. But they let it go the second. Then they let it go the third. At that point, there's more than just his health on the line. He's fighting with a warrior spirit. He's fighting with a lot more pride. He's still coming. He's still trying to win. I think at that point, you let him go that 30 seconds out. I mean, you let it go that long already. And I think for him, the pride, what he wanted to – he came in with the mentality of I'm going to come forward. I'm going to bang. I'm going to go after you. I think at that point, you got to let him go and you got to let it finish. So kind of on the you either stop it. it first or the end. You don't you don't stop it like that because to him, he, he knew he lost. But know how much it, more it would have meant to him to say that he lost by decision than he got finished? It, it means like he's the he, – him. It, it only bothers him. Right. And that is enough for me to say, because I know how it would I would feel if I was him. So that's yeah. what my decision is on how I would feel if I was him, because I would be pissed. I'm still pissed at the Holtzkin thing. I was like, count me. So it at least would have went to the scorecard. But you called it a TKO. I was standing up. Call, count me, you know, so it bothered me. It still bothers me, obviously. So I think the kid deserved the heart to go to the end. Yeah. I, and listen, I, I'm on the fence on that one, because I, I agree with what you're saying. I think that that for for his ego and for his you know, his mentality, I think that that does make a difference. But if you're Herdeen and your goal is to protect the fighter, I know that he hadn't protected the fighter up until that point, like you mentioned, but... Stop it he, earlier, then I'm fine. Yeah, but he's also not responsible for giving a fighter a moral victory. If he thinks that he's seen enough, I think if he steps in and stops it at that point in time, I uh, I can't fault him for that. I, I just don't yeah. think... I don't, I don't think it's a bad stoppage, but I also see what you're saying, and I see, and I understand why letting it go another 27 seconds if you've already... Uh, let it go on this long does make sense yeah no i don't agree i i i agree with the stoppage i totally agree with it i just have to really say that it's almost not fair to him it mm -hmm. wasn't fair but that's not i mean at that herb dean to determine right like that's not it's yeah not but then herb stop dean. it earlier if you're so worried about the damage you would have stopped it i i saw it i messaged my whole group of friends and i was saying stop it i'm like it should be done at the end of the first round like i don't think he needs to take more he's not gonna win he's getting pieced up way too much He's, he knows he's coming in to lose to get his contract. We know what he's there for. We, we showed how tough he was. And now I feel like you let it go so long. Just literally, he would have taken two more, three more. I know O'Malley was going for the finish. He was getting really vicious there at the end. But I don't know. I, well, let me give you a flip side question. For, for, you know, let's move on from this. And I want to ask you the, another question related to this fight. How well do you think it served Sean O'Malley? to have that much more cage time, like for him to get the second and third round in there in a, in a war where a guy's walking forward and trying to take his head off the entire time. How valuable is that experience to Sean O'Malley? I think he was good, but I don't think Chris was doing enough to hurt him to test him a bit, you know? But I think it was good for O'Malley, even though he presented calm, like he was taking some, like, breaths of fatigue, you know? Like, he didn't present it well, but he was like, oh, he was trying to, like, he was breathing. So I think him understanding to manage his power, because... If he would have went too hard earlier, he may have not had the energy to continue the way he did and to keep hitting him and and, and that kind of stuff. So I think it was kind of good for him. I think he understands about controlling power and setup, but he didn't look overly – I know everyone in the storyline is, oh, my God, it's so impressive. He looked amazing. 
But Diddy, Diddy looked that impressive. To me, no. To me, he didn't look that impressive. I mean, he looked great against a guy who didn't know how to defend good straight punches. But I think O'Malley could have got a finish. And I think to show that you're that good, you have to finish that guy, in my opinion, a lot earlier. He ate all of those shots, and you still couldn't put him down. You couldn't mix it up. So I don't think he looked great. I thought he looked good. I thought it was an impressive performance. But I think it's great. So when I think he fights some of these bigger names, I think we're going to see some. of. If he fights like that, I don't think he's going to get the result he wants. I'm going to give you four names for Sean O'Malley, and I want you to rank them. Jimmy Rivera, a guy who we know still has it. He's a tough fighter, good wrestler. Rafael Asuncao, notoriously tough out. Dominic Cruz, don't need to give you his resume. And another guy, Frankie Edgar, who I don't need to give you his resume, who uh, his his manager, Ali Abdelaziz, said he wanted to see Edgar face O'Malley next. Yeah. Uh, Who would I want to see O'Malley next? In of the order, yeah, you rank them, rank them for me. Um, hmm. So I think Dominic Cruz should be a little later for him. Okay. I'm not. I'm not in a rush for the Cruz. Um. Now, give me a few. What were the other ones? Uh, Asensao. Yeah. And Rivera. Rivera I would say Rivera first. I like Rivera first. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I would go Rafael Asensao second. I would do Dominic Cruz, then Edgar. Okay. See, I'm kind of on the opposite of you. I, I think Cruz would be the best next fight for him because I think you've got a young guy who's got interesting footwork, uh, an interesting matchup for Cruz, and you could really build his name off of Cruz. And also, if Cruz ends up getting a win there, I mean, then Cruz is right back in the title picture, pretty much. Like, I, I think that that would be a really impressive win for Cruz. Um, yeah. So that one intrigues me the most. And then I would go... Probably Edgar. I think that him versus Edgar is just a really interesting fight to see where Frankie Edgar's at in his career. He's the seventh-ranked guy. He's the highest-ranked guy of the guys that I named. Uh, and I'd love to see how Frankie Edgar does against a guy that might be a little bit out of his element, a guy who's still very young, who hasn't fought top-flight competition. I mean, his best opponent is probably Marlon Vera, who beat him. Um, Marlon Vera is also an option here, I think. I think a rematch with Marlon Vera makes a lot of sense, too. Um, yeah. And then I would say Jimmy Rivera would be a great test for him. I think the Jimmy Rivera style would be a yeah, very difficult thing for stocky, him. Stocky, powerful, stocky, yeah. powerful, able to take him down. Um, yeah. I think that's actually the toughest matchup out of all of them for him, of these four guys. And uh, Rafael Sunsau, I'd, I'd put last. I think Rafael Sunsau would be a, uh, an interesting kind of chess match for him. But I, I think if you want to have an exciting fight, that's probably not the guy. And I think yeah. Chido Vera is a good option, too. I think Chido Vera looks great against Davy Grant. And uh, I'm sure Chido Vera would love that rematch to prove that he can still beat, that he can beat him again, that it wasn't a fluke. So there's just a lot of great options right now for Sean O'Malley. Yeah, I think the the next fight O'Malley, regardless of those four, I think they're going to test him, and I think that's kind of the fight we need. One of those four, regardless, I think is going to really push O'Malley, and I think we're going to see the fight that we need now. He hasn't really been tested yet, right? I mean, he's hurt himself on uh, with Sukum Tao there and and stuff like that, and then with Chido, his ankle, uh, the calf nerve there going. So I mean, we really hasn't really been battle tested. So I, I'm kind of excited to see him get those bigger names. Like if you're asking the question of who would be good to develop versus the excitement, I, like, I mean, from a fan standpoint, Dominic Cruz, I'd put first or Edgar, mm-hmm. you know, I'd want to see him tested first, but I think he's important to develop properly. And I think the UFC has done a good job with that. And Cody Garbrandt was watching the fight with Brendan Schaub. And I think he probably told Brendan Schaub his next opponent in confidence. And Brendan Schaub just kind of said it out loud. <laughs> so he I blasted know. it out? What was that? Oh, it you don't want to like, even say it? It looks like, I'll say it, I don't care, it's out there. Oh, it's, um, yeah. It looks like he's going to be facing Kai Kara France next at, uh, at Flyweight. 
Okay, yeah. Cody Garbrandt. Yeah. I love that. I think that's perfect. Yeah. Kara France is just a, just a savage, that kid. He fights like, you know, city kickboxing, you know? He fights like Dan Hooker. They leave it on, on the line. That's uh, that's very fun. And, I mean, I'm, what scares me is that I think Cody's power could actually play there because I think Kara France could be in the pocket sometimes. Like, Rob Font is too in and out, moving. Like, you can't touch him, but... You know, I think uh, Kara France will sit there in the pocket. I just think it's a good uh, refresher for Kobe, for Cody Garbrandt to move down to flyweight. I think it's just a good way for him to hit the restart button on his career, and I think it's needed at this point in time. Yeah, no, I like it. I think anytime Cody fights, it'll be exciting. All right, prelims, anything stand out to you? You got Max Griffin beating Carlos Condit, Michelle Beheja beating Nico Price, Ilya Tapuria beating Ryan Hall in the first round, Drikas Duplisis beating Trevin Giles, Jennifer Maya beating Jessica I and opening up one of the... the Worst cuts you'll see in, in UFC history. Uh, Brad Tavares defeating Omari Akhmedov and the opening fight, uh, Jalgis Zhumagulov with a vicious standing guillotine against Jerome Marino. Oh, yeah. Um, what really stood out to me, I mean, Carlos Condit not blocking calf kicks was one of them. Okay. Uh, the, 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 the Nico Price-Pereira uh, fight, what did you think of that? Did you think it lived up to the excitement? Did you see the backflip into mount? I thought mount? it could have been better. I thought, I mean, I thought it was a lot of fun, but I thought it would have been a lot more fun. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Pereira is a two-round fighter. Like after the second That's round, uh, Nico yeah. Price had the right strategy: blitz him and try to. I mean, if he wouldn't have gone for that takedown at the end, and would have tried to just hammer on him. I think maybe he could have gotten a stoppage. But I mean, if you, it seems like the the game plan to beat Pereira is pretty simple. He's just a huge guy for that division yeah. that just cannot fight beyond two rounds with with any sort of uh gas tank yeah nico's a tank man his nickname should be the coat hanger he's i've never seen a man with wider shoulders than him he's just i can't believe it i can't his the shape of his body that's scary how tall and he's tough he's tough i mean it was a, a good enough fight but uh yeah Pereira needs to work the gas tank like why in the third round when you're exhausted are you throwing jump knee after jump knee it's like and I heard Rogan say, like, I just don't think he knows different. And I was like, maybe he doesn't, but <laughs> yeah, come maybe. on, man. Like, you've won two rounds. Why are you throwing jump knees when you're, like, so exhausted? Like, come on, there's going to be a little bit of IQ over excitement. I, you know, you're doing your thing, but come on, man, a little bit of IQ. I remember interviewing – I interviewed Pereira after his first fight in the UFC. He was in Rochester, and I was there covering the fight. And uh, he basically said, like, I just want to entertain people. He's like, I, he doesn't have championship aspirations. His goal is to yeah, be a, yeah. an entertaining fighter. I love it. I, I mean, I like Listen, how many people can be champions? How many people yeah. have, if you have that awareness that early in your career that you just want to have fun fights, you're going to do well. I mean, you're not going to put any pressure on yourself. Yeah, yeah. No, it's right. Uh, one disappointment of the card to me was Ryan Hall. I thought, like, I mean, there was no, I get the little parts, the good kicks, but, like, there's That's a reason I tried yeah, there's a reason why I, I tell people, like, jiu-jitsu's cool, it's nice, but there's a difference when it comes to MMA grappling. There's a difference to MMA striking. There's a difference. Like, when you're grabbing someone's leg and they can pound you in your face three, four times, it's different. And a lot of these real sports jiu-jitsu guys, they're there because they don't want to get hit, right? That's the reality of things. It's not fun getting hit. You got to be a different animal. So, like, I just don't think they have the brain skull thickness to be able to take shots like a guy who's used to striking with and i just don't i don't know wasn't overly impressed i think guys with half decent power and iq are gonna you know beat him most of the time 
Well, I mean, they started off the fight by saying nobody wants to fight Ryan Hall, and about two minutes in, you could see why he wasn't doing it. He was just like flipping around, like it probably would be yeah, annoying like, to fight this guy. You kind of slip your leg. Okay, stand back up again. Like All being right, in a stand. room with mosquitoes, like you know you can beat them, but they're just going to annoy you. Yeah, that's a good analogy. <laughs> that one fly that doesn't want to leave you alone. Yeah. Those, yeah, I got you get it. It buzzes in your ear. You're trying so hard to catch it, and you just can't catch it. Yeah, it no, I was until a... you finally get it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I lately, I've been. They've been coming in because I've been. Uh, yeah, I've got them too. They've been coming in my house, and I've been going like running around like a madman getting them. If swatting flies with like a fly swatter was a sport, I'd be very good at that sport. I'm oh yeah, I'm. I'm confident that'd be like a, I'd be in the rankings. I'm a dish towel. I get the the kitchen towel and I'm running and Blink, swiping blinking, it around. I try. I got to try different strategies because these things are quick. And I feel like they've evolved into these crazy things that, one, they annoy you more than ever. Like, I just tried to hit you. Why do you keep trying to fly on my face? I don't understand how annoying these things are. And I, sometimes they take like 10 minutes I'm chasing these things around for. They've evolved into Everything good... you're saying is Ryan Hall. Everything you just said <laughs> is facing Ryan Hall. There you go. Just annoying. <laughs> keep coming at you. I was like, geez. Why do you keep coming at my face and why can't I catch you? And yeah. why are you continuously annoying me? And yep. if it lasts 15 minutes, you lose. And why do you keep rolling around? Exactly. It's just crazy. And yep. I just hit you and now you're rolling around. Now you're flying again. How'd that happen? Yep. There you That's... go. We just found the perfect Ryan Hall. Fighting Ryan Hall. Dreekis uh, Duplice's great knockout against Trevin Giles. Uh, yeah, that Jessica eye cut was, that was, uh, that was a tough one to look at. Yeah, was, what uh, what did Dana say? Thirteen stitches on that. Thirteen stitches, yeah. Thirteen no bueno. stitches, yeah, no bueno. So, and it sucks that they're because a lot of times, like those headbutts, like they just don't look good, right? Not one to like look good physically because you don't want a big gash on your head with stitches, but it just even if you're winning, like it doesn't look like you're winning, you know? It's like there's blood coming down. So even like if on a close fight and you're cut from a headbutt, sometimes that sucks. Doesn't work well. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any other uh, news to get to. Khabib Nurmagomedov won the SB for the uh, best MMA uh, fighter. Good for Khabib. Congratulations. Oh, nice. I was going to say it was on at the same time. That was so disappointing to me because I was looking forward to it, yeah, to watching. Yeah, that's tough. That's, that's, that's bad, bad counter-programming of your own thing uh, on ESPN's part, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so right, it was next, Khabib winning. Nice. The, yeah, speaking of Khabib, his training partner, key training partner throughout his career, Islam Makhachev, headlining this weekend's card against Thiago Moises. Marion Renault against Misha Tate in the co-main, and then an awesome fight, Jeremy Stevens against Mateusz Gamrot. I actually love this main card. Rodolfo H- Vieira against Dustin Stolzfus, and uh, Gabriel Benitez against Billy Quarantillo. Those are, that's a, those are some great fights. And Malcolm Gordon, your, uh, yeah. your, your former disciple, is, uh, is on the card against uh, Big Fig, Francisco Figueredo. That's what his nickname, Big Fig? Is actually, that what they know. call him? He's the old, actually, is he the he older might, one? He's actually the younger one. And I used I to, and know. I used to think he was the bigger one, but he's also a flyweight, so I don't know what you want to call him. Well, Frankie this week, <laughs> there's two things I needed to happen this week. Two big wins. Got one of them with Italy winning. By the mm-hmm. way, we never even had to yeah, start off with that. Italy's Forza, big win Forza, over Forza, England. Forza, Forza. Yeah. So that one, and now I have that's one out of two. Now we need Malcolm for two out of two. So I mean, good start to my. I need to win this. Well, Joe, week. I've got, I've got the 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 solution for you to make sure that this happens. You need to get a flag with Malcolm Gordon's face on it and put it on your car because that's really what wills Italy to victory. Is that? That's the what it is. Cars. Yeah. All the annoying honks and horns and the you flags. You need to get a Malcolm Gordon flag and just drive through the city honking your horn. Go just to just honking go to, everywhere. Go to college and Christie, just start honking yeah. that horn. And the funny thing is, Malcolm's uh, fiance is Italian too, and they're obsessed with the soccer. So he was right in there with them. So he's uh, he's excited too. But man, I can't wait for uh, him. I'm just I just there's a lot of 
anxiousness for me. One, because I think it's a good winnable fight for him. Two, because me not being there gives me a little bit of anxiety still, you know, not being fully absorbed in the camp. And so there's some nerves, extra nerves on my end. So I'll be uh, intrigued. You're a control freak, Joe. I am. So it's kind of like, I don't know what to do. Did he do good? How was, how's his weight cut going? I don't want to over-bombard him with questions. So I just kind of send him positive messages and vibes right now. All right. We'll print that flag up and we'll, we'll get it going. And we'll get it going. There you go. Let's, go. Let's get the bandwagon going. Can it be an Italian flag with him in the center? Does that help a little bit or no? It has to be just a completely... Well, I mean, you mentioned that his fiance is Italian, so sure. I mean, so you might go. have some Italian people looking at you sideways, but I mean, uh, listen, yeah. if, if, they want, if, they want some, if they want to get some Joe Valtellini, I mean, I, that's their own problem. That's it. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I'm gonna get him. Get him made. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, so there you go. That's uh, this this weekend's card. Not a ton of analysis from us there, but I think that we're still kind of riding the high of UFC 264. We haven't Big flipped time. that switch yet to the next card. Usually, that happens around Wednesday. Uh, and speaking of Wednesday, we will have some uh, interviews on the TSN MMA Show Interview Edition. Interviews with uh, Islam Makhachev, uh, Misha Tate, um, uh, yeah, trying to, uh, Billy Quarantillo. I think I'm speaking to. So uh, nice. yeah, be excited, excited for that as well. So look look forward to that. Later on this week, uh, Joe, thanks for doing this. and uh, Awesome. We'll, yeah, we'll see you next week. Boom. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.